0: warm welcome to you all hope you'll soundly enjoy our program
1: the Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies, with unbelievably just a little bit of uh, professionalism somewhere along the line. If you could hear the conversation that I've just had with my two friends on Skype, uh, you would not believe there was any
0: professionalism involved in this at all.
1: With me, as usual, it's our good friend Stephen. Hello, mate.
0: Hello. Yes, I think we have a, a, a better professional than us uh, <laughs> coming in on this one. Okay. It's about, it's about <laughs> professional, about time. what I don't know. A professional. <laughs> it's, a, it's
1: about time. If you, if you haven't recognised that voice from just that word, thank you, there it's Booze from the legendary Sweet Fevery Jesus podcast. Welcome, mate. Hello, Chaz. <laughs>
2: Sorry, I'm caught in the film already. He <laughs> told myself I'm not going to do that. Hello, fellas. how are you
0: doing? All good,
1: all good. Well, nice you, to have you. At least you, on you can
0: do with the accent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> there is one line in the film when we get to it that I'm going to claim for the um, you know, the theme tune at the end of the show where it's got some quotes from like Get Carter and uh, Long Good Friday and stuff like that. There is a line from this one I'm going to drop in. Um Excellent. From now on, yeah. Booze, tell us all about Sweet Every Jesus podcast for those that don't know, mate. Because I know Stephen and I have been listening for seven, eight years, Stephen, something like that, possibly. It's been going a yeah. while.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been enjoying it for that long. Well, thank you very much, fellas. It's really
2: difficult to describe, though. It's <laughs> yep. like um, as we go back, we've been doing it like about thirteen years, I think. Cool. So you know now how all podcasts are like niche and high concept and the you know elevator pitch. And you got like, there first. <laughs> no, we definitely didn't. If we were starting now, we'd we'd do something very much easier to explain in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, we're going to do, we do all Bob Balaban's films in al- alphabetical order, you know, <laughs> or the top hundred murders in Florida since 1990 or something like that. But it's hard. It's, hard. it's a lot of different bits. We've got um, we normally have at least one monkey in it. Yes, and we've got our own news copter, <laughs> and it's uh, I do it with my two American colleagues, Belasco and Professor Chuck Terman, and uh, don't worry, we edit. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is a fascinating listen to anybody that hasn't heard it before it's i i think it's unique i love it absolutely love it always have done i think Stephen introduced it to me years and um, years there's, ago there's
0: some really good musical numbers occasionally <laughs> yeah well. but, yeah we do have a little bit of a,
2: a song and dance as well
1: yeah it's more than we have mate that's for sure um British movies, as you know, podcast is all about British movies and you've selected something that we probably would not have got to for quite a while if it was down to us two. General thoughts and feelings on British movies in general, Boos. I mean, have you got any sort of particular favourites like directors or actors or film series, you know, because we're covering everything from carry-on movies and the Bond films and, you know, the Doctor movies, Ealing comedies, kitchen sink dramas, all of that sort of stuff. We're covering the lot. But is there anything sort of British movie-wise that sort of like you gravitate towards, mate. At all?
2: I think there was a, a golden age um, of a couple of gangster films before Guy Ritchie got involved. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so you get Carter, stuff like that. Uh, mm. Long Good Friday, yeah. obviously.
1: Seen villain, um, villain with Richard Burton. Seen that?
2: I have, I don't think I well I think I have seen it, but mm. a long time ago.
1: Yeah, very good. Based on Ronnie Cray, very loosely. Yeah. Mm.
2: Hotel running. But um, well, it doesn't matter now, does it? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> Things like that hit that I haven't seen for a million years, you know?
1: Oh, is that John um, Hurt?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of thing. I mean, I'm not a massive carry-on fan now that i have you know, no longer 11. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that kind of thing I do love. But th- th- this is one of my favourite British films of all time.
1: Well, when... I asked you to select a movie you, you, or a couple of movies that we could make a choice from. You just repeated oh, the same movie. Me, yeah.
2: You yeah. he gave me three choices. And give me three films.
1: Yeah. And you replied with performance, performance and performance. So I think it's yeah. only right that we do performance. Before we go into the review and play the trailer, Stephen, had you seen this before? I had.
0: Yes. Uh, but only once. And, um, this is how long ago mm-hmm. it is. Um, I was drunk at the time, I'm pretty sure. Which, since I've not been drunk since I was 16, um, that amazing. is a long time ago. <laughs> so, um, so it almost was a, a, a new watch, although bits of it were remembered little bits and yeah. pieces. Yeah. Essentially, it was a, a fresh new watch for me.
1: I think I first watched it. Do you guys remember Movie Drone with Alex Cox on a Sunday night? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was my first view and I was probably too young to appreciate it. So, watched it again last night Um, and obviously we'll go into what everybody's thought about it. Tell you what, we'll take a very short break, we'll play the trailer and we'll be back after this.
2: Warner Brothers presents performance with Mick Jagger and Mick Jagger James Fox ...and James Fox. Good
1: morning, Good morning, mate.
2: This is a film about madness. No soap on the gentleman's collar. Madness... Yeah. ...and sanity. about fantasy. How much did you give him? Two thirds of the big one. That's insane. The old man was called in the language of Persia. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm
1: normal.
2: (laughs) Right. Again. that
0: equitable. I see you down in San Antonio on a hot and dusty night.
2: fantasy, and reality, and sensuality,
1: a film about death, Uh and life, this is a film about vice, and versa. Now, according to IMDb, it was released in Finland on the 4th of September 1970. I don't know why we've got the Finnish release date here, but it's obviously of some vital importance to somebody. Directed by Donald Camel and Nicholas Rogue, starring James Fox, Mick Jagger, Anita Pallenberg, Michelle Breton. The synopsis, Chaz, a violent and psychotic East London gangster, needs a place to lie low after a hit that should never have been carried out. He finds the perfect cover in the form of a guest house run by the mysterious Mr Turner, a one-time rock superstar who is looking for the right spark to rekindle his faded talent. Straight off the bat, second time watch for me. I think I was too young as I say to have watched it first time and I'd completely forgotten the whole gangster element of it. All I could remember was the psychedelic stuff. I'll let you into a secret before we do, like, you know, final ratings and reviews at the end or whatever. Watched it last night, bloody loved it, absolutely. Booze, why have you chosen this? Why is it one of your favourite movies, mate? I can see why people appreciate it. but
2: (laughs) I just, I'm a bit like you. When I first watched it, I Mm. was, I have to say, chemically altered, (laughs) you know? So that was, and we watched it, my friend's, uh, and I,
1: mm. we
2: watched it quite a few times during that sort of little period, or it was on anyway, yeah. in someone's living room. And then um, I watched it unchemically altered, and it really didn't make any difference whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, it's such a... Uh, it really manages to get to the heart of that, that feeling um, later on when they get to Turner's house. But the first bit,
1: mm. the
2: gangster bit, I think it's, you know, if that was just... The film it'd still be one of the best british gangster
1: films exactly it sort of set the blueprint for what was going to come later wouldn't it like get carter and the long good friday it's, it's we hadn't seen that style of gangster movie up to this point as far as i could remember and also you've got to remember this isn't a 70s movie it was released in 1970 but it was made like two years earlier wasn't it and, and shelved for a while
2: yeah i don't know the uh the studio really really didn't like it yeah. i mean there were stories of one of the studio heads' wives vomiting during a screening. So, yeah. you know, everyone's a critic, you know. but
1: <laughs> One of the Warner Brothers executives even said, like, even the bathwater's dirty. You know, they they really didn't like it at all.
2: Well, if it weren't dirty, you'd be able to see even more, wouldn't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Stephen, your second viewing, go on, mate, what did you think of it, initial thoughts?
0: Well, you're right about it leading to on Good Friday because of how it portrayed sort of the gangster element in in that way and i agree with booze it could have quite easily just been that the entirety of the film like that and still would have been a a great film on one side uh it it could quite easily be seen by people as a, a complete and utter mess um but um it's it's i you know i think it's it's got the qualities in there enough to make it a great film that it all comes together the chaos of, of it and the disjointed view the, the viewer gets makes it work um with this particularly the psychedelic element where you're actually um, almost, you know, you're feeling it um through the way that they filmed it and portray everything it absolutely works and it is um you know a, a film that Stands the test of time, despite it being definitely set in an era. So, it, without a doubt, it's a film that's absolutely worthy for us to be uh, to be discussing and, and placing within the the history of British cinema.
1: Yeah, I mean, initial reaction wasn't just Warner Brothers executives being horrified by it. The the, the general public just didn't like it, from what I can can gather. You know, it got this very limited cinema release it was dumped basically in the cinemas just to try and make some money and it's only been in the last 10 15 years guys you reckon that it has got this cult status and it's gradually been appreciated
2: yeah i reckon about 15 years something Mm -hmm. like that because i think the wasn't there showing at the bfi or somewhere um because they brought out different versions of this that's another thing when i first watched it Mm -hmm. i've got a really strong memory as much as i can remember anything about that (laughs) but you know um well there's a kid in it who's in turner's house just kind of in and out walking around eating beans
1: yep lorraine
2: bringing seeds to people Mm. Laurie. she was definitely voiced by one of those you remember back in the 70s like kids tv there seemed to be one woman who voiced a load of kids
1: (laughs) right do you know what I mean? I'm trying to think of the voice. Um, would it be someone like someone out like here come the double deckers or something like that? Or is that the sort of thing we might well
2: of? be something like that? And um, that was definitely because I remember that from the time. And apparently, because of the American audience, mm. they ducked a lot of the the Cockney characters as well. You know, and the gangsters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that the Americans could understand them. The the thing is, I mean. It doesn't really matter if you can understand them because they're not really talking. It's all non sequiturs. Yes, that's why this is one of the most quotable films of all time for me. It's right up there with with now.
1: Were well, you talking about about Laurie, that that line that I am going to lift from the movie is just her as she goes to the sink and she says, "I'm sick of beans." I am. Yeah, <laughs> <It> absolutely <laughs> cracked me up when I heard that. I thought brilliant. I'm having that. I'm having that at the end of the show in the theme tune.
2: There's also sorry. Mm. There, there's also. A bit when she's walking up to the house with her mum and she goes, Here, mum, it's Christmas? <laughs> just, you know, just because.
1: <laughs> Stephen, we were talking yesterday about Whistle Down the Wind being set up in Lancashire and you were worried about me understanding the Northern accents. How did you get on with it, mate? All right.
0: Well, because <laughs> I, I've listened to Sweet Feather users, I'm, I'm quite used to the um, the the, the non sequiturs and the the, <laughs> the the accent i don't know whether that gets dubbed when it's uh, released over in the states or not but um no, thankfully um having been a bit more uh, metropolitan myself um i've been to london and um and met some of the locals so um it w- was no difficulty for for me to uh, understand the i can understand what they were saying i sometimes miss out on some of the rhyming slang obviously mm. um because that that doesn't always make sense but um apart from that i I can understand the words they were using at least um so that's a benefit (laughs) because i can't always do that with with people from like manchester
1: so (laughs) funny enough booze you saying about the voice being dubbed i'm sure harry flower's voice was dubbed over as well because that didn't sit right when you looked at it
2: yeah maybe Mm. but it depends because we might be watching different versions because there are a few out there ah right you know
1: what is it like cut versions or you know just trimmed for censorship reasons or
2: i think a lot of it was to do with um a load of fans from over here getting together Mm. for a dvd release and they really wanted it to be as good as they could get Uh, it right at the time sometime in the 90s so there was one going around in the 80s which is probably the one that was on um
1: Alex Cox's
2: thing yeah and and that was probably the one that I watched
1: first I would think yeah well that be um, interesting because um, when they sent the movie stock the raw movie footage of the sex scenes to whatever processing plant it was at Kodak or whatever it was they actually refused to process half of it under the obscenities law and oh really I, yeah and they destroyed half of that footage because they said we cannot process this we will get prosecuted um, it was that graphic
2: well, there's always been that rumour, hasn't there, mm. that they were actually, you know, it's one of those films where they were
0: supposedly
1: doing it for real. It's Nick Rogue again, isn't it, mate? Happen we don't look now. Yeah. <laughs> which
0: is, and which is also, why Keith Richard got so upset about it, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well,
2: there, there is that, you know, that, that kind of subplot. Because um, Anita Pallenberg was with Keith at mm. the time. Yeah. After being with Brian Jones, of course. Yes. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden she's making this film with with Mick where they spend <laughs> half of it naked and having it off.
1: Yeah, because Marianne and Faithful was-, was supposed to be part of it, wasn't she? But she was pregnant at the time. Mia Farrow dropped out. She was supposed to be one of the leads. And somebody else I read today, you know, but it all ended up being this sort of menage a trois between, like, Pallenberg and, and Jagger with poor old Keith in the background going mental because... He was, you know, he even refused to record on the music track, didn't he? They got Ry Cooder, yeah, to play the side yeah. guitar, didn't they? Instead of Keith Richards, because he refused to be in the same room while it was all going on.
2: Well, the, that's the thing. I mean, the studio probably thought they were getting the Stones, you know, soundtrack at least. It <laughs> did not happen. So you got like Randy Newman, Ry Cooder, yeah, Nietzsche, brilliant, Jack yeah, as Young calls him. And the other fella that they were was originally cast as Chaz and it mm. wouldn't have been Chaz then. It was supposed to be an American gangster on the run yes. and it's going to be
1: Marlon Brando. I read that this morning and I thought of you when I, when I heard that as well. <laughs>
2: and who well, what is the name of Anita Paderberg and Keith's son? It's Marlon. So oh. incestuous.
1: It's it's all coming together in a weird way
0: this morning. Well they probably were coming together yeah. Um. <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> It is two movies joined
1: together, but they're joined together perfectly, aren't they? There's no sort of like heavy-handed cut that the gangster bit's finished and now we're going into the psychedelic pop stuff. It melds itself really well, doesn't it? Because of the flashbacks and that sort of jump-cut photography that we get all the way through.
2: Yeah, which was also something actually the studio insisted on, insisted on because Jagger was the big selling point mm. they wanted to get him in earlier so you got those jump cuts of him you oh, know
1: oh so that's why you see him in the first five minutes yeah. or whatever yeah because otherwise you wouldn't see him for what half an hour 40 minutes or something into the film yeah Stephen. any particular favorite parts of the movie for you mate what stood out for you
0: there's a number of bits with the uh just the gangsters interacting within like the office space as it were which you know you sort of that's that's the firm um mm-hmm. going about their just you know their their business like any business would be going ahead having the, you know almost discussions so that that stands out as you said before about that being um very much a prototype for the the business of gangsters rather than just the the straightforward violence side of things i do think that there's a lot of intrigue in the parts where there's the confrontation with the child's character and the, the allusions towards um, homosexuality and trying to divine what what the undercurrent of that is that isn't explained i do like the scene where they're trying to where uh, jagger is trying to outwit Charles and and by um, alluding to when he might have seen his act and that they're, they're, you know trying to out him almost by saying oh was it was it tokyo or was mm. it paris was it in 67 was it and yeah. and uh and the sort of that dance i think is quite interesting the way that the the they both kind of know that they're you know they're both talking to bollocks but they're trying to <laughs> see which one's <laughs> gonna crack first
1: hasn't he sussed out at this point about the passport photo is that the thing but,
0: yeah i think that's it yeah but well, i think the dialogue all the way through i think you know beyond what you're saying about the great bits of how things are, are shot and everything, there is just so much quotable dialogue in it. and I mean, definitely for me, the fact that it provides uh, at least half the lyrics for Big Audio Dynamite, um, e-, e equals MC yes. Squares, it is, you know, massive influence to show that that was 10, 15 years afterwards and that was, you know, bringing it all all to the far there. I think a lot of it is the dialogue that is the joy for me, as well as um, as well as the actual way it's shot and 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 plotted. Would
1: you agree? It's a bit MTV before MTV, guys. It's like a lot of very short, almost like music videos. The scenes, aren't they? They're, they're very sort of separate, three or four minute sequences.
2: Yeah, and I think that is definitely, you know, I'm not Donald Camel would never do what the studio wanted him to do. Let's face that. Mm. So that must've been his idea. But yeah, memo from Turner is a music video when they get around to that. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and- uh, Turner.
2: so mm. where Turner morphs into, um, Harry flowers. Yeah. So uh, Chaz is having a mushroom trip. And when he first appears as the like, gangster character, Mick, it yeah. looks exactly like trigger. I've only falls and
1: also I can't <laughs> get out of my mind when watching it. I love, I love the fact that Little Lorraine calls him old rubber lips as well at one point. Yeah, <laughs> comical. <laughs>
2: comical, little geezer. You look funny when you're
1: fifty. Yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it, and, and I can see why. It's it's something like 48th in the Sight and Sounds top British movies or something now. It's actually it's a bit like Vertigo. You know when Vertigo suddenly became top of the polls after so many years knocking Citizen Kane off or Casablanca or whatever it was this is gradually, year on year as it's finding an audience It's, I think people are appreciating it more, it's a bit of a lost gem, you know, and, and you saying about Booth about, um, you know, they was expecting like Rolling Stones soundtrack and all that lot, apparently Warner Brothers were under the impression they were going to get the Rolling Stones version of A Hard Day's Night
2: at one point yeah, yeah, I read that.
1: we um, didn't get that, did they? It's exactly the opposite, isn't it? It's just
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit off the mark on on that. I think potentially the you know just doing a, a, a Stones version of a Hard Day's Night. I, I don't think that would have been as good as what we did, do get. To be perfectly honest, I mean I'm you know not dissing the uh, Rolling Stones at all because you know I like their tunes. But um, now I think this is, you know, it would have been a, a, a loss not to get this instead.
1: Yeah, and I was just thinking as well because it was released 1970, early 1970. Altamont happened in the December '69, didn't it? You know, which definitely yeah. sounded the death knell of the '60s, didn't it? You know, so there was probably quite a bit of. Um, promotion uh, un, you know unwilling promotion on, on the fact that they were hitting the headlines two three months earlier because of what happened in san francisco you know
0: a dark cloud was hanging over the stones at that point yeah did that do you think that damaged the brand and that was another reason for the delayed release well the, the, the,
1: it was originally filmed two years before mm. um, it Was just the studio
2: like hating it did they oh, right. you yeah.
0: know
2: to yeah, grind yeah. up and fire it into the heart of the sun uh, forever
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, what we're going to do now um, usually about this point booze and for other people that may not have heard the show before we set ourselves a task right in show one that every time somebody appeared on this show actor, producer, director whatever they may be three times they will get inducted into our hall of fame now this is the real britannia podcast we're not that grand or worthy enough to have a hall of fame we've got the village hall of fame it's a pokey little affair basically um and the curator is our dear friend stephen and if i'd have known what i'd set him at the beginning i probably would not have done this because as it stands at the moment we're only about 90 episodes in booze right mate and there are nearly 300 inductees isn't there mate
0: yeah getting close to that yeah and the the vast majority are people who are not um, famous when you say the name it's usually (laughs) who um i mean the 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 guy in the lead um nobody's ever heard of him nobody would even recognize his face yeah um victor harrington isn't it yeah put it this way he's
1: appeared he's appeared something like 12 times in 90 shows yeah and and all he is is an extra
0: at the back yeah, if you say Victor Harrington to people, oh Vic, you know, yeah, I mean you know him obviously because you're a connoisseur, um, okay. <laughs> with the emphasis on sewer. But but other people, you know, the, the less cultured people than yourself, and um, will never have heard of him. Um, they might have heard of Marianne Stern, which is you know different because um, mm. you recognise her because she's in everything as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things where the the people who are the frequent props keeping up the british film industry with people you know that nobody's heard of mostly
1: okay well that in mind then mate get your keys out open the door and let's see who's inducted into this week's village phone <laughs>
0: rather surprising that there are so many people that uh, considering the, the cast in this you would expect it to be uh, uh, people who aren't really f- frequenting mm. um, so many other films but no thankfully uh, we've got um is it uh, five people who are actually getting into the village hall of fame this time around for a well, third I am appearance, it. yeah. Hi, five making their third appearances. There wasn't um, five
1: famous faces in this movie, mate. Is you there?
0: wouldn't think so, <laughs> but um, yeah. So to run them through them quickly, we've got John Bindon, who played one of the gangsters called Moody. John uh, Ten Pint Pot Bindon. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes. Right. <laughs> Have you heard that, Stephen? Do you know why he was called? No. It's a family show, but I think we can get away with it, Boos, don't you? And I think it was five, not ten. Five half pints.
2: It gets exaggerated, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, does the story.
1: <laughs> Apparently, he could hang five half pint pots on a certain part of his anatomy. Can't we all? Um, and it was it was it, <laughs> it, it was it was legendary. So much so that when he went to Mustique, the island of Mustique, where Princess Margaret was, she asked to see it. <laughs> and he ended up having an affair, apparently, with Princess Margaret. Yes. Mm.
0: <laughs> so John
1: Biden's in. He was in. Well, well, wasn't well she's
0: he? still still in Mustique, and he was in London. It was long <laughs> enough that he could. Yes, yeah, a man of many
2: talents. It's a, a trunk call.
1: Oh, bless you. <laughs> So what was he? In? He was in Quadrophenia, wasn't he? I remember him for poor cow. He was in Quadrophenia,
0: poor... and he also had a, a, a part, for want of a better phrase. Um, he had a he had a part in From Russia with Love. Oh, brilliant! Okay, because he was also uh, he was also in Get Carter. Well, yes, so he will appear when you you get round to doing that with Yuck. Ben and and um, You will um, be able to to point that out as well. <laughs> Mention um, the story again, yeah. And bring the story up again, yeah. I'm <laughs> Sure, <laughs> they'll know it. So uh, Stanley Meadows. As well, obviously, familiar face. Mm. Uh, Ipcrestfile and uh, Prize to Arms. Okay. Um, so we had him. Alan Cuthbertson, ah. who's the lawyer. Now he's, wasn't he Colonel In Twitching head.
1: out of Forty Towers? Yes. It's him, it isn't was, it? Yeah. yeah. So he's been ducted. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah,
0: because we've not, not done Forty Towers, the movie, yet. But um, <laughs> the, the man who never was and uh, Room at the Top. He was obviously the, the, the posh rival mm. boyfriend in room at the top. Johnny Shannon was in, that'll be the day, and um, the Sweeney. Yeah. And that was obviously Harry Flowers. The Reg Lye was in it three times as well. He's the inductee, uh, the final inductee, He was just a random workman in the background. Um, he was <laughs> 10 Millington Place and the amazing Mr. Blunden. <laughs> what a cv so and then kenneth coley as i say making his fourth appearance now this is Uh, the guy that
1: played both hitler and jesus in two separate movies isn't it
0: this is it yeah uh he's in life of brian before this and how i won the war and brastoff um yes quite an eclectic cv we we mentioned on brastoff
1: this is what Um, we talk about background characters booze because in life of brian you know the Sermon on the Mount, where it's shut your yeah, face? Yeah, that's, shut your that's face. Ken Culley. It's Ken Cully, and he's playing Jesus You know, right in the distance. So we've included him, mate. That counts.
2: <laughs> oh, he got a mention when uh, Palin and Cleese went on uh, the Tim Rice chat
0: show. Remember yes. that?
1: Oh, well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Life of Brian one. Because yeah. they
0: were saying it's, it's not about Jesus, because Jesus is in it as a separate character. So, yeah. And <laughs> I went for yeah, Ken Cully yeah
1: there you go famous so it's four for him anybody
0: else so that's four. no that was it we we bottomed out with with somebody having a fourth appearance it's not like sometimes i keep going and say and we've got a fifth appearance and we've got a, an eighth appearance and we've got somebody making their 11th appearance no it just um that's the limit we've reached here, which i think was, was surprising to me that there were so many to be honest yeah. um and what but we I didn't get as over
1: the three hundred, nowhere. Blimey! What we didn't get as well. This is another regular thing, Bose. Is the majority of the inductees all appeared in a night to remember?
0: <laughs> Usually, y- yeah. Yeah,
1: because there must have been like fifteen hundred extras or whatever it was on the boat. Um, you'd find they. What was the other one, Stephen? there's another one. They all appear in it's night to remember and something
0: else. Um, there's a lot of them in dunkirk i think There's dunkirk a lot, yeah, lot of extras that's yeah something like that yeah because <laughs> uh, you know if, you, if you're an actor they go right you go stand on that beach <laughs> yeah you got a pulse right okay that sort
1: of thing brilliant so 300 inductees in the hall of fame now uh, fantastic thank
0: you for yes. doing that as usual so, um so yes yeah, and some some familiar faces in that and and some not so familiar
1: faces as okay. usual okay spend the last sort of 10, 15 minutes just just sort of winding this up a little bit. I mean, Stephen, second time watch for you, second time watch for me. I got so much more out of it this time round, personally. So much so that I think there's a lot I've missed. And Boos will probably agree this benefits from multiple viewings, mate, does it, this one?
2: Yeah, I think, like, this, I I can't count Mm. how many times, but I still saw stuff this time round. I'd missed the other, you know, 19 times or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just always really, really mesmerized by James Fox in this because we all know James Fox as playing the posh dude in every single thing he's ever been in.
1: Yeah.
2: March. Mm-hmm. So for this, where he plays Chaz, the East End gangster, he, um, you know, went and lived that life
1: mm.
2: for about two or three months or whatever. Um, with... have Johnny Shannon, who was, you know, sort of one of the chaps, as they call them. Yeah. And that's why he got a role in this film as Harry Flowers. It's his first ever role. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, he's just great. As someone who, I mean, I'm not really a cockney, but I just think that there's, not a, there's no fault. It, it, the accent never slips. The arrogance of the gangster yeah. never slips. You just believe him all the way. And it did send him slightly uh, crazy, apparently. Oh, did it?
1: Be The old experience. Met- mm. Yeah.
2: He didn't act for 10 years afterwards. He went, he kind of had a bit of a breakdown.
1: Didn't realise that, blimey. Yeah,
2: and he went to uh, work with this uh, evangelical Christian mission mm. in Leeds. Oh, right. <laughs>
0: About, <laughs> yeah, you've got to be mad to go to Leeds, yeah. <laughs>
2: where um yeah i think they were called the navigators that's it and he went door to door trying to make money for them selling apparently selling um telephone like sterilization kits or something like
0: that (laughs) (laughs) seriously is that in case somebody gets a dirty phone call hey hey.
1: (laughs) boom Oh. I was going to ask you for your final thoughts, Stephen, but I don't think I'll bother after that.
0: <laughs> no, not after that kind of humour. No, I, I agree entirely that with what you were saying about multiple watches, and, and I'm going to need to go back to it mm. um, and watch again, because although it's a second watch, it was so long ago and, and less than sober. Um, but this, yeah, I think there's there's so much to, to get out of it. There's, the, there's great quotes for a start off with lines, but trying to get your head around uh, the the psychedelic elements uh, and um, how it all just fits together. The fact that it isn't a, a mess is a testament to the to people involved in it. And um, it's a film that absolutely people should go out of their way to actually um, have a look at because of, the, of what it's influenced afterwards. I think it's a bit like velvet underground or, or the sex pistols that at the time maybe didn't have its success um but what it actually influenced um creatively in in others it is absolutely outstanding yeah and that's where we need you know the recognition perhaps was initially but with it being reborn almost and i don't know how much of that is thanks to the internet's been able to make it accessible to people um in the last 15 years it's something that people should be able to to find out there, even if they have to go and, and ask some some Russians um, if they've got a copy. <laughs> but certainly, yeah, um, give it a go. It's although perhaps challenging for some people to watch. I I was gripped uh, and, and enjoyed it.
1: I remember the first room. I was quite uncomfortable with it. That's what I remember. It was. It was. I probably felt the same way as those Warner Brother um, executives. You know thinking, what the hell am I watching here? But watching it now, through slightly older eyes, it's a completely different movie, and I absolutely loved it. You know, both halves, the way it all melds into one, it tells the two stories together... The psychedelic bits were absolutely fantastic. You could see Nick Rogue's fingerprints all over this. You know, Man Who Fell to Earth and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm, I may even watch it again after we finish talking this afternoon, lads, because it, it, I just want to go back to it because I've, I've, I think I've missed so much.
2: Then my work here is done. Thank you
1: so much.
2: <laughs> and I can say, after 20 watchings, mm. it does it does actually make
0: sense. <laughs> Well, your your evangelism has worked um, on us and uh, it saves you having to go door-to-door in Leeds trying to sell it, I suppose. Uh, um, I'm going to be emailing you both
1: Mm.
2: about my telephone sterilisation kit.
1: (laughs) I'll have to get a landline specially. Thank you, mate. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you what we're going to do. Stephen, I think we've enjoyed Booz's company. I think that's that's generally agreed between the two I, of us. I,
0: I I wouldn't dispute that at all. How
1: would you fancy inviting him back on again?
0: I think we'd only gain from that. I'm not sure he would, but um, but yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it all depends if he accepts our invitation. Booz, would you like to come back again, mate, and review I another movie? Absolutely.
2: I would absolutely love to.
1: Fantastic. What we'll do then, let's take a break and we'll have a little think about what we'll be watching next time. <laughs>
2: He wasn't that big. I remember him quite well.
0: He wasn't old. He was well-famous. When, when I was in where he was Chuck Ruster.
2: They come and they go. Pop stars. He had a following. I never fancied his stuff, my son.
0: Oh, I fancied him. Old rubber lips. He had three number ones and two number twos and a number four. Fresh that tea over here, Laurie
2: so did it, his success.
0: Well, he retired, didn't he?
2: Oh, did he? So, what's he doing now,
0: then? He stays here, stay, he's writing a book and some music. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: Is that why he's got a secretary?
0: Huh? That
2: like foreign bird, you yeah, know, not a skinny one, the
0: other one. Ferber. Ferber's his lover, mate. she co come at me with him since years and years. Their love stories famous. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you don't know nothing, do you, Dad? When's
1: mom coming? Tonight. OK, that was performance 1970. Thanks once again to Bose for bringing that to us because I think generally we all absolutely loved it. Now, what delights has Stephen picked for him for when he returns? Stephen, what you got in mind, mate?
0: Well, it's it's more uplifting and, and joyous and, and bringing a, a warmness to your heart. <laughs> um, oh, no, that's something else. Um, now, I thought, well, we'd go down a, a, a similar line but off a, a tangent and... Um, Perhaps go to see Life Inside and go to Scum. Excellent. I see what's happening here. There is another side to me, you know. <laughs> well, there is. But I, I, when I was put on the spot, I was struggling to try and think of a film with a monkey in it. <laughs> so um, we, know, we know how much you love monkeys, and I don't want to you know, misstep on that one and pick the wrong monkey movie. Very. So
1: oh, I'm looking forward to that. It's early, early Ray Winston, isn't it, that one?
2: Yeah, way yeah. before the uh, betting ads. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes, forgot to do that then. Yeah.
1: Brilliant! Oh, looking forward to that. So we'll do the cinema version rather than the the play for today version. Yeah.
0: Yes. Excellent.
1: All that's left to be said is a massive thank you to Booze for being here today, mate. Thank you so much. We've had a blinding hour or so chatting with you. Um, thanks for bringing performance could you just let everybody know where they can find the Sweet every Jesus podcast before you disappear
2: yeah sfj.com thanks for having me as well and uh, I'm off for a plate of beans
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen take care see you soon take care <laughs>
0: shot from where Good luck thank you.
2: Where's your hand up, sir?
0: I'm sick of (laughs) paint.